You're listening to Retail Disrupted, a podcast that explores the latest industry developments and the trends that will shape how we shop in the future. I'm your host, Natalie Berg. We're going to be doing something a little different on this week's episode. Last week, I had the pleasure of hopping on the Eurostar and traveling to Paris for Paris Retail Week. And while I was there, I hosted a number of live stream panel debates for Freedom Pay. Today, I am super excited to share one of those roundtable discussions with you. But before I do that, let me tell you a little bit about Freedom Pay. Freedom Pay is one of the fastest growing fintech companies in the world. Their next level commerce platform handles in person, mobile, and online payments for tens of thousands of locations in over 75 countries. Some of the big brands they work with, Marriott, Foot Locker, MGM, Sephora, and actually just last week, they announced an exciting new collaboration with Amazon for biometric payments. For this discussion, we are gonna be talking about unified commerce and how payments are evolving to meet customer needs. It's a joint session hosted by Freedom Pay and WorldPay, because again, hot off the press, they just announced a new partnership to jointly provide integrated payments and omni-channel technology for retail, hospitality, and other enterprises. I really enjoy this conversation and I hope you do as well. Bonjour et bienvenue. We are live from Paris Retail Week. This is the Freedom Pay and World Pay session, Next Level Retail, and I'm your host, Natalie Berg. Today, we are going to be talking about omnichannel retail. We're going to be talking about how to unify the customer experience. And we're going to be talking about the importance of staying relevant to your customers in this period of digital disruption. So to help me unpack all this, I'm delighted to welcome the panel. We have Chris Kernenthal, president of Freedom Pay. We have Lee Reed, a vice president of partnership management at WorldPay. Barry Stern, a vice president, a global program owner at Freedom Pay. And Tom Essenhai, a vice president of retail at WorldPay. A very warm welcome to you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thank you. So I think we need to kick off talking about this exciting new partnership between Freedom Pay and WorldPay. So Chris, if I can come to you first, perhaps you can share a few words about the partnership and what it means for the wider retail industry. I think it's a very exciting partnership from a Freedom Pay perspective. We uh, have a mission at our organization where we want to be the world's single uh, largest interconnected platform globally. And when you look around the partner ecosystem, you look at the providers in that space, we see a clear leader uh, in the WorldPay team and their coverage and their ability to provide uh, not just breadth, breadth, but depth in those coverage in the payment solutions that they provide. So by taking Freedom Pay as a technology forward-leaning company, solving for that omni-channel experience and layering that into a partnership framework with WorldPay where we have such broad geographical coverage, that's a very exciting proposition for merchants in the ecosystem. Fantastic. And Lee, did you want to say a few words about yeah, the partnership? Yeah, abso absolutely. Yeah, we're really excited by the <coughs> opportunity that this partnership uh, represents for, for WorldPay, especially from an in-store perspective and an omni-channel perspective. Um, you know, this has been a 18-month 
journey to this part. So there's been a lot of work going on behind the scenes to, to get to this point. So yeah, we're really excited what it means for our customers, for our future customers, um, and where we're launching this solution. Fantastic. And throughout the conversation, I'm sure we'll talk more about the partnership uh, as well. But if we can kick off with the consumer, because there's been a lot of change in a relatively short space of time. Um, I think it's a period of profound structural change. It's, in my view, we're in a state of perpetual disruption, and a lot of that is coming from technology. I'm curious to get your views across the panel around what you see as the most fundamental shifts in consumer behavior. Yeah. So, yeah, perhaps yeah, we'll start with you, Tom, sorry. Absolutely, yeah, happy to say that. Mm -hmm. So, I think there's a real shift towards um, loyalty. Mm -hmm. I think lots of, lots of changes. Um, macroeconomic factors means people are looking for value. They're looking to, yeah. to in be incentivized for their purchases. They're looking for personalization. And I think getting as much as they can out of every single transaction. And I think the omni-channel experience done correctly does provide all of that. It makes people feel part of something and, and the consumer will then return to that retailer knowing that mm -hmm. they, feel, they feel welcome and get rewarded for their loyalty. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, just, just to add to what Tom has said, um, I think that whole consumer journey has become very complex, right? The days of a transaction and authorization and a settlement, and hey presto, that's, that's the end of the consumer journey are long over, I think. When you weave in uh, elements of loyalty, discounts, real-time rewards into that consumer journey, um, the data that's collected behind the whole payments journey as well, and surfacing that with our merchants and partners to help make actionable decisions, you know, to, to present business intelligence that retailers can can actually you know make use of and drive consumer adoption, uh, drive conversion rates, increase basket size. I think data plays a huge part in in um, kind of streamlining that retail consumer journey. And I think most um, intuitive retailers today are, are keeping the consumer at the heart of all of their technological decisions. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So making sure that ways to pay that their consumers want to leverage using whatever payment instrument they choose they want to leverage I is catered for in that journey and that becomes quite complex when you talk about cross-border retailers when you mm -hmm. talk about uh, localization in terms of language and currency um, and, and again bringing it back to the partnership with WorldPay I think that's something we're uniquely focused on is solving in market for specific mer merchant needs within specific geographies. Yeah, fantastic. And you hit on a really important point that it's the consumer, it's the shopper that's calling the shots. You know, it's the shopper that wants to shop on their terms. It's no longer the retailer that dictates the terms to the, to the consumer. Sure. So, Lee, how about you? What are your thoughts on the, the many changes we're seeing from a consumer perspective? Yeah, and it happens so quickly, yeah. So yeah. we need to be able to meet the demand of our merchants, of our partners, of, and of their, of their customers in the end. And um, you know, I always apply that back to what, what, what I see. I mean, I, I'm waiting for my 10% discount uh, a certain retailer because I've left something in the basket in, in the last few days. And I, and I know I've signed up with them. They've got my email address. I've got an account. They are going to send me a discount because they keep sending me an email. What about your basket? What about your basket? So even my behavior has changed yeah. and they need to be able to adapt to that. And yes, at the back of that is then they need to be able to accept my payment type, whatever market I'm in. And obviously, loyalty plays a, a, yep. a really big part in that as well. But I won't go, you know, you, you guys have already said enough about loyalty. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because COVID is sort of this old, tired topic, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. But the behaviors are lasting. At the end of the day, the consumer has made it clear, especially in the Omnichannel report, which I think we're going to talk about, mm -hmm. that at the end of the day, the consumer is averaging at least three channels, if not four, in their average engagement with the merchant. 
And so while perhaps not everything went e-com uh, as many thought, it did go mainly digital. It did go to the fact where the consumer expects to be recognized across all of those three or four touch points. They expect loyalty to be fully integrated that. They expect loyalty to be like a currency uh, type of element. And they expect it to be really fluid. And they expect to be recognized uh, for a level of uniqueness. So I think to all of those points, uh, uh, taking, I think, to Barry's point, an ability to have a partner with WorldPay where we can vertically integrate to uh, country or region-specific requirements in a solution set and a technical solution set that covers for that change paradigm of the consumer is a really exciting prospect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the common theme here is omnichannel, and that is the, the theme of the conference, right? I'm not sure if omnichannel is still relevant, the word omnichannel, because I think it going a little bit literal here, you know, omnichannel means you're present in all those channels. And I think we're moving to a place where we want to achieve unified commerce, where yep. you, you know, that experience from a customer's point of view is seamless, regardless of you know, which touch point they use. There's, there's been this whole proliferation of choice in terms of how you access retailers. And you know, it's not just about online and in-store <coughs> anymore, is it? It's you know, voice shopping, it's visual search, yep. it's augmented reality, it, will it be the metaverse in 10 years? Uh, social commerce, you know, there's just so much choice now for, for customers. So I guess my question to you as a panel is, um, are, are retailers doing enough? Are they thinking like their c customers who again are channel agnostic, they're device agnostic. Are they thinking, to your point, Barry, from the customer's point of view, are they starting with the customer and, and then building around that? And if not, you know, what are the barriers to achieving omnichannel bliss, if you will? Yeah. I'll happily kick that one off. I think, I think they're thinking about it. I think mm -hmm. the complexity is the challenge, right? And constantly evolving, as you said, the, the word omnichannel evolves, the expectations evolve, the world evolves, right? I think. I think the consideration of base and everything around the shopper is very much there, but I think it's actually getting that work done to deliver it, which is where this partnership and, and WellPay and, and, and Freedom Pay step in. But I think it's definitely there, and there's been, a, there's been a big shift that I've seen in the focus away from what the retailers think the consumers want to giving the consumers what they want. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a really hard ask for, for retailers, right? So again back to that that kind of antithesis of understanding your customer right but but to lee's point technology is changing all the time you know the proliferation of wallets within the consumer journey is one aspect that's really interesting um the the weaving in of, of the loyalty components you know marrying um a certain type of retail environment so you might have big box or grocery where you want to get people through that queue as quickly as possible and employ mm -hmm. technology to help that experience be efficient, not not um, not speedy, but efficient. Mm. Um, and then you, the paradigm to that is when you flip to uh, like a, a high cost fashion retailer, for example, or boutique retail, where it's experiential and the consumer wants to feel that engagement. They want to be have a one on one engagement with a human being. Mm. Technology plays a part in the background, whether that's kind of endless aisle, whether that's click and collect, whether it's um, personalized shopping, you know, just mm. producing a device to make a payment, kind of seamless payment at the end of that experience. So I, I do have some sympathy for, for, the, for the modern retailer because there's so much happening in that space mm. that it comes back again to understanding your customers and not trying to provide payment solutions or acceptance methodologies uh, just because they exist, but because mm. they're going to drive value for your business and for your customers. Yeah. yeah. 
And I suppose it's a moving target as well. I know, Tom, we've talked about this, that your omni-channel proposition is always evolving yep. because yep. technology is moving so quickly. So that's, I suppose, another challenge for retailers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, I was going to add, a, lo a lot of people think about the, 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 the retailer to consumer journey and right at the heart of it is something my team's doing. We manage all these software relationships. Yep. And so if you're, you're a retailer, you're having to think about, well, hold on a minute, I've got my traditional point of sale counter, but now I need this kiosk. Mm -hmm. I might need these, you know, win window shopping when you're trying the clothes on, etc. Mm -hmm. So that they're having to work out, well, what, have I got a single software provider that can meet my demands mm -hmm. as well at the same time? So recently we just worked with, and th this was really in the hospitality sector, we had to do nine separate integrations because they've chose nine different software mm -hmm. providers for the experience mm. in their environment. And, mm. and so what, not only are we having to produce those single technologies and you know, through, through the free to pay world pay relationship, we're gonna be able to meet those demands through that single technology stack. But the, 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 the merchants absolutely have that challenge from a software perspective to say, who's supporting my channel and where? And actually does that single software provider exist as well? Mm. So it's adding more and more complexity yeah, for Yeah, managing them. that complexity. Yeah. And I think yeah. that links back to listening to the customer. Yep. Rather than giving their one way of transacting, there's nine different ones because the retailers listened to that. Yeah. So I think that's that's showing that they're listening to the consumer and putting yeah. into practice. Just creating more work for themselves, but that's yep. uh, necessary to stay relevant these days, I suppose. Um, Barry, I want to come to you because yesterday we were up on the stage talking about digital wallets and the huge growth that we're expecting to see in that space. And um, had a few conversations around how that might perhaps in the future help retailers to have a more holistic view as, as we move away from traditional card transactions and more towards digital wallets. Will that enable retailers to have that, you know, that holy grail of a single view of the customer as we understand their habits online and both in store? Um, I think the in specifically to wallets, I think the interesting kind of condition is that you're, you're, you're uploading your payment instruments, your, your ways to pay within a digital, a digital structure, but you're also including um, your, your, loyalty as your loyalty memberships and attributes as well. So I would say now that that, <coughs> that wallet serves for that purpose, I think to your question was in, in the future, will they be the solve for, for merchants to enrich the omni-channel experience? I think mm. we will have moved, in fact, moved beyond wallets at that point and another iteration of, of, a, of a representation of me as a consumer mm. on, my smart, on my smart device or, or yep. somewhere else in our representation of me. I think wallets are for here and now and, mm -hmm. and the research we spoke to yesterday showed that their increased penetration over the next 10 years will eventually kind of be re replace cards and mm. cash as payments, um, which is really interesting. I think, I think, I think we're, we're getting to that tipping point now and we use the analogy of kind of Contactless, trans contactless payments and how it took 10 years for that tipping point you mm. know, from 2010 to 2020 where, where that payment methodology became comfortable for all demographics, for mm. all types of consumers, for all um, you know, consumers from different affluence backgrounds, from different demographics. Um, so I think, we've, I, think, I think wallets serve for the here and now, but mm. I don't think they're the utopia for solving for that omni-channel experience. I think, yeah. I think consumer behavior will have moved on again, invariably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. Chris, you're nodding there. I feel like you've got I something think, to I add. think to, to, to Barry's point, it actually elevates a step higher. I think when, mm. when a retailer thinks about what benefit do I get from engaging with a digital wallet or having a digital wallet strategy, 
they're almost thinking about it more as an identity function. And so mm -hmm. to Barry's point, I don't think the, the end game is a digital wallet because at the end of the day, you see solutions in market which might be biometrically enabled, yeah. right? Yeah. That might be a palm read, for instance. Yeah. And so what that's functioning off of is really an identity keychain. And at the end of the day, it's about <laughs> understanding the identity of your consumer and then you can start to get more sophisticated with them. Then you can drive loyalty. Then you can drive preferential payment methods based on the benefit of that payment method for the consumer, the merchant, any third party interested in there. So I think, yes, in the short term, digital wallets are a really exciting proposition. They're an enabler of ways to know who your, who your guest is or who your consumer is. But at the end of the day, it's really an identity strategy. And it's mm -hmm. an identity strategy that ultimately links into a data analysis strategy, right? Once you know who your consumer is, then you can study them, then you can put them into segments, then you can drive messaging back through a digital channel. But I see digital, digital payments, the adoption of them, et cetera, is ultimately a starting point of a much larger discussion around a horizontally integrated sort of payments and overall commerce strategy. Yeah, makes sense. I think something that's really coming through very loud and clear from this discussion is the need to really understand your customer, which of course has always been a fundamental rule in retail, but I think in this digital age now more than ever, um, so you've touched on loyalty, so let's unpack that a little bit more. Um, from your latest research, there's some really interesting stats. It seems there's a little bit of a disconnect. 85% um, of shoppers said that accrued loyalty points from in-store and online joined up in one account would be important to them. That seems like a no-brainer to me. I'm, I just, I'm curious as to sort of what might be stopping retailers from delivering on this. And also, it just more, I guess more generally, how do you drive loyalty in this digital age? I think it goes back to Lee's point, to be honest, where the merchant is dealing with a tremendous convergence yep. story of different technologies trying to integrate. And in fact, that also goes through the merchant. It's not just the merchant with that challenge, it's all of the different selling systems that a merchant plays with have to be linked together for, let's say, a harmonious loyalty strategy mm -hmm. right across multiple channels. So, you know, going back to your earlier point, Natalie, about different technologies emerging and kind of where it's all going, it is ultimately a technology story. It's ultimately yeah, about that merchant having a stable technology base yeah. that allows them to plug in different assets. Mm. And there's also value to that to the entire supply chain, right? It, again, it's not just a merchant-centric story. It also has to play well for all of the service providers, the selling systems, the e-comp system, TS systems, mm. hardware manufacturers, everyone that, that participates in providing something as simple as a ubiquitous loyalty program. That all has to, has to converge and has to work really, really reliably. So mm. ultimately, for me, it always goes back to, do you have the right technology strategy right, in yeah. place to facilitate that? Mm. Yeah, absolutely agree. It's, it's, it's about that technology. We talked about multiple software solutions, different mm. platforms within their business. Are they talking to each other? Can you recognize your customer in one channel from another channel? Mm. And I think that, that, that that's at the heart of, if you can't bring that loyalty solution together so that you recognize your customer online and in store so they get the points in both environments you, you can see sort of like at the heart of retail what some of those challenges around loyalty yeah. are yeah yeah absolutely i guess the other aspect of loyalty um based in the uk and i think what has been a considerable shift over the past sort of 12 to 18 months is the move towards i guess two things one is t I'm, not, I'm talking in a grocery environment the move towards tiered pricing so you get yep. one price if you don't have a loyalty card or you don't scan a loyalty card and another much better price if you do. So clearly, you know, and that's common practice in the US, it has been for a long time, but it, this is relatively new in the UK and I think it's a little bit of a bolder move. It's all, all of the major supermarkets are doing it. So there's that real shift. Um, and then there's also 
which I don't think we're quite there yet, but we're definitely getting there, this move towards real-time targeted offers and promotions. Yep. So I'm just curious as a panel to get your views on where you see that heading yeah. uh, in the future. Yeah, look, I, I, I agree, and I think the loyalty historically was always something you collected and then used at a later date. Mm. I think there's a shift now to people instantly seeing the benefit of loyalty, whether it be in-store discounts or whatever it is, or real-time. Mm. I think there's also... Um, days gone by where people would have a number of different loyalty cards and it would be the emphasis would be on the shopper to register the loyalty I think there's an expectation that it comes to them so yep. I think it aligns uh, like a lot of things to the, to the customer journey and making it seamless and invisible but allowing the the, the consumer to reap the benefits um, yeah. and the Instantly, next stage right? of that yeah <laughs> and the next stage of that yeah. is a targeted loyalty right which yeah. I agree I don't think we're quite there yet but that that for me feels the next part where it's pushed to you rather than earned. So. Yeah, but could be really powerful. I can imagine Absolutely. if you're at the shelf and suddenly you get pinged a message. I mean, that's so relevant and so so timely. So yep. uh, yeah, interesting to see where it goes. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts you wanted to, to add. Yeah, Something Natalie, like I just I just you teed me up beautifully for that. Where you're, the point around uh, real time offers, rewards, and incentives that are that are meaningful to the consumer. Mm -hmm. We actually have some technology across both the boots, the WorldPay, and the Freedom Pay boots today. So anybody who wants to see the application of a loyalty, uh, a loyalty reward or an incentive in real time at the point of sale across several channels, please come over and speak to myself and Tom. Great, yep. yeah, we'll please do after, do. fantastic. Any other additional points around loyalty or, or have we covered it all? <laughs> I, think, I think the research is, is pretty self-evident, right? And you even said that, of course consumers want loyalty programs, of course uh, consumers want those loyalty programs to be seamlessly accessible kind of the third leg of that stool then is, well, what kind of value do you need to provide to a consumer to be willing to participate, to take the extra step, enroll themselves in a program, share that data? Uh, uh, and I think there's compelling data out there. In fact, Freedom Pay has done historical studies and white papers about what do those values need to be? Because I think a lot of the time, merchants or participants in the ecosystem, they'll hear a panel like this and they'll say, yeah, all of that is really obvious, but how do you actually do it? And mm. I do think uh, uh, there's data out there, certainly we've provided some and there's more that suggests what exactly does that need to be, right? I think the providers that, that, that uh, are able to bring those solutions to light are not only gonna be able to speak to sort of the theoretical or strategic nature of it, but then also be very prescriptive and, and, and tactical. Here's what you do, here's why you do it, here's the results you should see. So uh, uh, as that, as that uh, concept of, of ubiquity, integrated loyalty, consumer identity and payments continues to mature, you'll, you'll, you'll quickly notice that there are providers that can kind of do it because they'll know exactly what to do and why. And then you'll continue to hear a lot of sort of platitudes about, well, it's a really good idea and we're pretty sure it's, a, it's, mm. it's this right thing to do. So I'm excited to watch that yep. concept mature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, me as well. It's definitely a, a really fast moving space and uh, exciting to watch from the outside. Um, I'm gonna get into payments in a little bit more detail. It's obviously been a key theme throughout the conversation, but uh, we have seen this proliferation of choice once again in terms of how we shop, but also in terms of how we pay and the challenge, of course, for retailers in terms of connecting all the dots. Now, Lee, when we spoke earlier, um, we, you mentioned to me something that stuck with me. You said you can't walk down Oxford Street scanning QR codes as a payment method. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could just talk through that disconnect between the, the customer experience uh, online and in store and how that maybe will evolve in the yeah, future. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult for merchants to adapt to what's going on within mm -hmm. the market, especially with new payment types um, appearing all the time. And 
if, if you're looking at a, a across Europe and, and saying, well, how, how do I launch a solution in you know, 20 markets across Europe, you, your, your technology really needs to reach into different types of payment methods, not just card. You've got something called Blick in Poland where you've got to put a six-digit PIN number into a terminal. You've yeah. got to be able to support it or twin with a QR code. So your technology as a, as a payment provider really needs to be able to support the merchant and their software provider mm -hmm. across multiple markets so that they can take those different payment types. And that, that's mm -hmm. critical from a payments provider that you have the technology stack that can reach into those payment methods that suddenly appear in, I think it was like, was it 2017, the digitization yep. of India as an example. Mm. Um, Paytm pay had a million subscribers. Within three months, they had 300 million subscribers. Wow. And suddenly the market mm. had to adapt to this QR code solution, bank to bank payments very, very mm. quickly. So yeah, we, we have to adapt very quickly, but it's yep. very hard to go and, and take your bet. Today, we know that Ideal in the Netherlands can be accepted at POS. It yeah. represents less than 1%. So with that, uh, we talked about digital wallet. Is that going to grow? Is that something we need to invest towards? Mm. Or is that something to sit back and say, let's, let's wait and see what, what happens there? So yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a very complex market, lots of payment methods out there, and we have to be able to adapt very quickly for our merchants. That's so interesting. And it's the individuality of those markets. Mm -hmm. And I guess, yep. I guess that's kind of unique to payments because I think when we think about um, the huge shifts in consumer behavior, the fact that we are moving, we are living in this digital era, we're all on this digital journey together at varying paces. And if you look at things like e-commerce penetration rates around the world, but actually I think when it comes to payments, it is it is very local, isn't it? In terms of consumer preferences yep. and the need to build your solutions mm -hmm. around that. So yeah, and it's an interesting, interesting point. Um, we talked about digital wallets. Um, I, I would like to just quickly go back to digital wallets. Again, keeping the conversation around, you know, what's happening globally. Barry, you touched on this yesterday. Um, do are, are there certain markets around the world that have progressed more quickly than others in terms of digital wallet adoption? And is there anything that perhaps we can learn from them? Um, <clears throat> so, I know your question's about wallets, but I, I think. If we, if we look at ways to pay in mm -hmm. inclusive of wallets, mm -hmm. uh, I can answer that question through sure. that lens. Mm -hmm. It can maybe makes more sense to me. Um, so if we look at the Nordics as an example, um, to, to Lee's point, lots and lots of localized payment options that are very, have re very rich penetration within those markets, and they are relatively exclusive to those markets as well. Um, but the, if you like, the penetration of a cashless society so again, taking that to a digital payment context, it's there's like 90, 95% of digital payment penetration within, <coughs> within Sweden, for example. Wow. Um, that's amazing. You know, that, that shows how far technology adoption, trust in, uh, in a payment methodology is, has become ubiquitous. People yeah. don't think about it anymore. It's just, it's just a movement that allows a payment to happen. Mm. But there is also a 5% there that it may be a, a technologically uh, averse um, demographic that that um, that are uncomfortable with that payment methodology or that or that move to digitization. So, I think there's to our to our discussion yesterday. There is a, an an incumbency on stakeholders within the ecosystem to provide that level of comfort around yep. technology mm -hmm. to ensure that all demographics, all consumer groups. Um, are at least aware of the benefits and the drawbacks of some of the technology that is being proliferated. So, um, to your point, I think I think the Nordics shines mm. as a uh, a region where um, 
localized payment has become has become very highly adapted, mm. uh, but also it does highlight the use case of that of that minority where yeah. you know what are the, what are these cohorts going to do if they don't adapt this in a in a cashless environment? You know they're yeah. they're they're looking for optionality there as well, or at least an, a, a degree of comfort in education. Yeah, yeah, that's a really important point around the, yeah. the whole, there's a, it might be a minority of people, but there are still those who are tech averse, or perhaps there are some barriers for them to overcome around, there's an education piece, around trust. Um, so, so that's really interesting. Tom, you're nodding. Yeah, no, I was <laughs> gonna say, like, I think it also goes down to working with the data you have available and, and doing the work there. Yeah. Understanding that there'll be different, um, different demographics, there'll be different international travelers for, travelers for certain businesses, different products they're selling um, may require different payment methods. So mm -hmm. I think it's that using the data, not alienating the core part of your or your customer base, but being flexible enough to, to move when needed, um, mm. I think is, but it's again relying on the data. I yeah. Think but do you think we'll ever get to a truly cashless society? Big question, I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost done. <laughs> I, I think that's the ambition, but I think yeah. there's you have to cater for everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, we are almost done. I'm going to set you free soon. Um, I have two final questions, and Chris, I'm going to come to you um, before we close. If we can come back to the Freedom Pay and World Pay Partnership, can you talk us through what we might expect to see from the partnership over the next six months or so? Uh, more of the same, which is a lot more glorious than it sounds. <laughs> because uh, 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 in the context of this whole discussion, I think we've really talked through a lot of those challenges that exist, right? So imagine everything mm. we've said about a particular market, digitizing multiple digital wallets, payment methods, localized service providers, right? Mm. And then copying that as a very complex integrated ecosystem across dozens and dozens and dozens of markets. And then while that's happening, you also have to contextualize that experience from a language perspective, a currency perspective, uh, a regulation and compliance perspective. So, uh, uh, you know, to be candid, it is, it is the unglorious part of, of the world, which is really building that technology web and that network. And I think that's really inspiring to see WorldPay step up and embrace that challenge and to step into that challenge in a way that maybe we haven't really seen in the market yet. So I think over the next six months, you're gonna see uh, this partnership double down on bringing that, that promise and that commitment to the market, to the merchants, and really uh, following through with that. And I think that, that in and of itself is innovation, is, is almost the will to push through the requirements necessary to provide that really great uh, technology and, and payments foundation. Mm, fantastic, very exciting. I do have one more question for the panel before you go. I'd always like to do a little bit of future gazing, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on what we might see. What are you expecting in the future? It could be in terms of payments, or it could be in terms of how you see retail more generally evolving over the next five to 10 years. Uh, or, or, I'll give you a choice here, or you can give an answer around what advice do you have for retailers as they navigate these changes? So just some general thoughts to wrap it up. No, I'll, 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 I'll kick off. It's, it's, it's continuing to adapt. Can you yes. adapt quickly enough yeah. to the demands of the market? You know, over the last month, I think it was uh, the German government announced that they want to remove paper receipts yep. and they want to mandate that. So what does that mean for a uh, retailer? Yeah. Are they going to use a QR code? What's that QR code journey for the customer like, et cetera? So, we're, it, you know, all, all these changes require technology developments for us. More learning, what does the merchant want to do? Where's, what's the market direction? So I think, yeah, it's uh, ever changing. Fantastic. 
Anyone else? I think the research mm -hmm. itself speaks to a very exciting time for retailers. Mm -hmm. um, I think we've seen you know massive uptick in in in-store, so people you know maybe consumers starting their journey online, mm -hmm. but completing the purchase in-store because mm -hmm. they want to you know have that have that experiential yep. kind of touch point. Mm -hmm. um, I think that speaks to lots of in-store opportunity, but also ensuring people's web presence is um, you know is com um, consistent with the in-store experience as well, mm -hmm. and I think. That balance drives a lot of a lot of really exciting opportunity for for modern retailers. Um, also, that we talk about technology changing; it's it's going to keep changing. You know, yeah. payment instruments. Mm -hmm. To Chris's point, um, cards, wallets. Um, you know, we're going to see we're going to see more ways to pay, driven by the consumer. Um, mm -hmm. So the democratization of ways to pay. Um, I think we'll see a lot more token technology. I think mm -hmm. we'll see a lot more. Um, fingerprint or, yep. or biometric um, technology mm. coming in. We're already seeing it. Uh, and I think yeah. once that consumer adoption picks up, that will become much more prevalent as well. Yeah, interesting stuff. Fantastic. I think look out for the palm is the yeah. new piece, isn't it? Look out for the palm is a new web page. You won't need a wallet or a phone, <laughs> just right. a finger. The, the <laughs> Fantastic. Other, the Sorry. other last note that we maybe didn't touch on is is also you mentioned kind of the second option of the question. And yes. I'm a talker, a so let's jump in, right? <laughs> so, so one of the things that merchants need to consider is really evaluate the provider ecosystem as well because mm. a lot of innovation in payment happened coming out of COVID, embracing that digital transition, but that was also for many economies in an all-time low of inflation and the cost yes. of money. And you're yeah. seeing uh, a, a real sea change in the provider base going forward of those that had a sustainable business model. And so mm. it really is almost a, a, a now responsibility of that merchant as you're evaluating your different partners. Make sure that you're picking folks that have kind of a viable business model, to be really candid, yeah. because at the end of the day, a lot of the, the perhaps capital that was funding, a lot of the innovation is going to be a little bit harder. And mm -hmm. so uh, mm -hmm. there's an added level of due diligence that I think a lot of people need to take about who are you picking? Why are you picking them? What is their long-term roadmap? Have they built a sustainable operation? Um, because you're going to start to, con well, you'll continue to see the impacts of interest rates and inflation almost like distill out a lot of the players in the ecosystem. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been fascinating discussion around retail and payments. There's certainly no standing still in retail. I think that's definitely yeah. been a key theme of, of today's discussion. If you're interested in learning more about the Freedom Pay World Pay Partnership or some of the research that we quoted, you can check out both Freedom Pay and World Pay's website. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. Thank you for listening to Retail Disrupted. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, please leave a rating or review or share it with others. It really makes a difference. 